Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Alright, uh, I have, I believe, a word from the Lord because this year I turned 45 and I became a believer at 15. So this year actually marked the 30th year of me walking with the Lord. And I realized that I'm not even halfway there yet because I plan to live till 90 years old. And so that means I've got 45 more years of, uh, of uh, just walking with God, pursuing Him, and I pray that I will not lose heart. And so as we're talking about this Experiencing God Together um, series, I thought, and I want to talk about finishing strong together, finishing strong Together. Now, if you know my strengths finder profile, my top talent theme uh, is activator, which means that you know I enjoy starting things, but I'm but I've not been a great finisher. I've not been. If you look back in my life, I tried to play the organ. My dad paid a lot of money. I learned and I didn't finish it. I when I I, I took up swimming, I, I I I almost drowned when I took my bronze assessment, and you know I dropped. Uh, swimming, even though my coach says you have got potential to become a, com- a competitive swimmer, but I dropped that. Uh, what else did, 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 did I drop? I, uh, I played table tennis and I did pretty well in secondary school, but I dropped that. And so I've not been a great f- finisher, but when it comes to my faith, I'm just obsessed by this thought of crossing the finishing line strong. I'm just obsessed. And I, and, um, and I ask myself this question eh, almost every single day. Will I finish strong? So I want to read uh, one passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 3, uh, and then uh, make some comments. We'll camp in the book of Hebrews this morning. So let's read from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And, and it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. If you underline your Bible or if you highlight your uh, Bible app, just exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitful of uh, sin. So many of you know uh, that I've picked up a new hobby. Uh, I began running and that explained my, my, my serious weight loss uh, in the last one year. But really it didn't start because I enjoy running. In fact, I used to tell my friends, I hate running. It's like it's, it's, there's no goal. I, I, un, unlike basketball, table tennis, where you, where you can actually win, right? But running is just running. I mean, it's aimless as far as I was concerned. But during COVID, uh, circuit breaker, lockdown, apart from grocery shopping, which is, uh, you know, which is not really a hobby, Running was the only respite that I have, right? So I was running around the park and when I first started, 1.6 kilometer was like impossible. 1.6 km. I couldn't do that. And I wondered often, like how did Sienny and Clarence, they were telling me they run like 8 kilometer, 20 kilometers. I said, my goodness, how did they even do that? But the stories inspired me and I found that I could actually put a earpiece in and, and listen to podcasts. And so my learner actually was you know, like keeping me going as I run because I could listen to a half an hour, one hour podcast. And to announce to all of you after one year, I'm, I'm clocking in like eight kilometers every single day. And so, hallelujah! But I need help with my, with my weight loss, all right? I, I think I'm losing mass. And so, but that's what I'm working on. All right, but 
That's why I say that to say that the Christian life really is like runners in a race, right? And the goal is to keep running until we finish uh, well, until we cross the finishing line. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we all know those verses, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us twice in these two verses. Interestingly, uh, let us appeared 14 times in the book of Hebrews. And the Bible tells us Jesus endured the cross and that is His appointed pathway to everlasting glory and joy. So unlike a 100 meter sprint or dash at a sports meet, some of you are really good, uh, really fast, the Christian life is not really about a sprint. Uh, there is no individual first place winner. The runners who are running the race called Christian life are called to run together, say together. To endure together, to help each other run, to keep going until we all win. And I pray as I was preparing for this message that the city will not be a let me church, but, but we will be a let us church. That no one is doing this all by them, themselves. That Janice, Andrea is not in this race all by themselves. So let us, 14 times in the book of Hebrews, let us and may the city be a let us church. And that also tells me that part of running well as a Christian is to help my brothers and sisters run well. Part of me being a, a believer is to help all of you run well. And that's why uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, the Bible tells us to exhort one another every Day as long as it's called today, no matter whether uh, yesterday happened, when I wake up this morning, it happens to be today. So which means that every single day I am to exhort all of us, exhort one another, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now coming back to running, uh, if you run not just around the track, but if you run around the island, you will realize that what really stops you or what, what really frustrates you are all the potholes and the hums, and that's at least for me, right? Uh, and, 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 and so one of the main, main emphasis in this book is that Christians should keep on running and not turn back. And the true Christian life is not a matter of cruising along, but a matter of pursuing and running and striving. But the fact and the reality is this that on our own, we are weak runners who are vulnerable to losing our zeal for running. And that's why there's a Steva app I found out from Xianyi, uh, right? <laughs> and eventually, we will fall out of the race entirely. And the book of Hebrews exhort us not to lose our edge, get off track, and fall back on our race. And that's why we need one another. Let us, all right? And to appreciate this this idea of let us exhort one another. I want to just quickly survey the book of Hebrews uh, to show us some possible potholes and some possible road bumps in our race. Are you ready? All right. Uh, if you read Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, it's good to highlight. Uh, it's, it's really good to just turn to your Bible. It says here, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great foundation, great salvation? The first pothole or the first road bump that we will all go through as believers is drifting and neglecting. 
It is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We will all drift. We will all one day or one, or one way or another neglect such great a salvation. All right, and as I was pondering, I realized that all of us, I believe, if you are truly born again and saved, had a great start, right? All of us. I mean, the, the, the encounters, the, the, you know, all our salvation stories are amazing. And that's why I'm so cognizant that we must not just start well, we must finish well. And, 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 and life happens to us and oftentimes we drift and we neglect such great a salvation. And I just want to say that there are three tenses to the gospel, right? Most of us know this. We are safe, we're being safe, and we will be safe. We know that. Right, at the point where we receive Jesus into our life, we accepted His, uh, f- his uh, work on the cross by faith. We are entirely and completely uh, free from sin's penalty. And by faith, it's reckoned to us as righteous. Right? And when we pass away uh, and as, as we stand before the Lord, our body will be, trans- be transformed. Whether you are round, you are skinny, you will all be glorified. Theologians call that glorification. But in between our justification and our glorification, uh, we go through a process where, this is a deep word, right, where we, of, of sanctification. Right, in this church, to simplify it for all of us, we call that process of sanctification spiritual formation. Are you still with me? All right, so whenever the pastor says spiritual formation, we're describing our sanctification, and it's a process. And it's a process whereby we're being delivered from sin's power, all right, and, and we are still, some, a lot of us still fighting with the influence you know, of, uh, of, of sins over our lives. And we become more and more like Jesus and we are in the world and, and yet not of the world. And spiritual formation really is about being shaped into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And how we are shaped is through life. And that's why we go through the valley of the shadow of death. That's why we go through life and we're being shaped through life by others, whether it's believers, non-believers, things done to us, we do to people, and through circumstances. And circumstances, life, and for the pastors here, the congregation will shape your faith. I mean, what they do to you, with you, for you, against you. I mean, I've been through all that. And it, and it helps us become more and more like Jesus in the way we respond, in the way we speak, in the way we think. And that, and that process is called sanctification. And, often, and it's a long-drawn process, which is why Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he meant. It is the process of becoming like Jesus. And so there's this very interesting verse in Acts chapter 4, uh, Acts chapter 24 and verse 25. It's not on the screen, but I thought it's very interesting because when Paul was reasoning with Felix, the governor, Paul made this statement. Paul said that, you know, and the Bible says that he was debating with Felix regarding righteousness self-control, and the coming judgment. Fascinating. So, uh, so scholars actually argue that Paul was referring to the three, uh, uh, three tenses of salvation, the three stages uh, of your righteousness. And you are righteous in Christ and of your, um, of your judgment, right? But also of your self-control, of a self-control. And this is serious stuff because it's important for us to know that there, that there is no middle ground here. Friends, I want to strongly exhort us. We're either paying attention to our spiritual formation or we are neglecting it. Are you with me? 
All right, it is very easy for us to neglect it because life happens to us. We are either devotedly attentive to Christ or we are drifting away from Christ. And that's why we need to exhort one another. Drifting and neglecting. Drifting and neglecting. All right, the second pothole is uh, in, the, in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, and what I'll call dullness and immaturity. Dullness and immaturity. In those verses, uh, Paul said, uh, or the writer of Hebrews said, excuse me, or, or, or those who may have a view on who wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, about this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Underline that. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, which means that Paul's goal, uh, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews' goal is for all. <laughs> Sorry guys, all those who... Uh, I have a view, but this view is you know, not important to your salvation. Uh, 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 so the writer of Hebrews actually said that all of us ought to become teachers. All right, that's the goal of the believer. We all ought to teach. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those of the their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. That's a favorite word in this church, to distinguish good and evil. The second pothole is the possibility of becoming dull of hearing and losing our edge. Dull of hearing and losing our edge. See, I've learned that the, that the noises in this world could drown out God's voice in our lives, yes? And we ignore the nudging of the Holy Spirit to seek first His kingdom, to reorder our lives. And oftentimes, after a while, we tend to trust in the experts or our own emotions more than what God is saying to us. It's very easy. After, after walking with the Lord a couple of years, you know, we start to, we start to uh, lose sight of what's really important, what God is saying. And we risk losing our spiritual edge of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, and trusting in Him and resting in His finished work on the cross and walking in close fellowship with Him. We lose our spiritual edge. We also risk losing our doctrinal edge of uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way, He's the truth, He's the life, and the Bible is the divinely inspired, infallible Word of God. It's very easy for us to lose our doctrinal edge. It's also very easy for us to, to risk losing our relational edge of loving one another, especially when people you know, let you down, when, when people rub you on, in, uh, in the, 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 the wrong way. And, and, and we, start, uh, we start losing faith in people and we lose our relational edge. We also risk losing our moral edge of pursuing holiness without which no man can see God. Amen. And living sacrificially for the good of others. As a result, we get stuck in perpetual immaturity. That's what the writer of Hebrews was saying to us. You see, friends, although we can't help being immature as a young believer in the early days of our Christian life, we ought to grow up. And that's what the Bible says. Grow up unto maturity. Let us move on. Let us uh, progress beyond the foundational principles of the faith. Let us grow up and become competent in teaching other people. But we, we become dull of hearing, we lose our edge, and the, and the very possibility of stagnation, stunted growth, dull years, is actually very, very real. Amen? And so that's why we need one another to help us finish strong. The third pothole is what I call throwing away your confidence and losing sight of eternal rewards. 
Hebrews 10 verses 32 to 36. I know there are a lot of Bible verses. Just follow with me, okay? Uh, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of a property. That's, that's a funny verse, right? And since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. And so, uh, the writer of Hebrews described confidence like it's like a towel, right? So, we throw away our towel means we give up, all right? So, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that you have done the will of God, that you may receive what is promised. And so, in this context, throwing away our confidence means we no longer believe that we have a better and a more abiding reward waiting for us in uh, eternity in God's glory. We focus on, on the temporal, we lost sight of it, the eternal. And that's why, again, you know, if, um, if you know me, I'm so transfixed by God. Eternity is way longer than my temporal life. But the opposite of throwing in the towel is enduring. And that is not a cast word in the Christian faith, my brothers and sisters. We need to endure endurance. You have need of endurance. That's what Hebrews chapter 3 says. The need to stay on track, the need, need to stick to it because you believe that the promise and you believe with all the heart that God rewards those who diligently, continually seek Him. Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 11, yeah, verse 6. You don't throw in the towel and our vision must not be dim and our confidence must not be shaken. And, but those are potholes. Those are really real. And that's why let us exhort one another. Keep running. Stick to the track. Don't give up. Dial into my steva. Follow my track. You know, are you still running, Clarence? Come on, keep on running. And I call this the ministry of mutual exaltation. And I want all of us to remind, uh, to remember that all of you, regardless whether you're serving as an usher or as a musician, as a singer, as a preacher, all of you are part of this ministry of mutual exaltation. <clears throat> and this ministry exists because grave danger exists. And that's what Hebrews 3 was talking about in context of this vulnerabilities, of these potholes, all right? The ministry of exhortation exists because we are in grave danger. The Bible tells us that uh, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. We are all susceptible. And so let us exhort one another as long as it's called today, which is every single day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what's the danger I'm talking about, uh, talking about, my friends? The danger is that any of us, and there are about 70 over people here, any of us here, including myself, might have an evil heart that's hardened in the condition of unbelief. I've been a pastor for like 20 years. And I'm here to say to you, church, I need you because I am susceptible to all these potholes that I might have an evil heart of unbelief, that the deceitfulness of sin might get to me. I might stumble over sins. Are you still with me? 
We all know that it is not good to drift and dull, right? Come on. We all know uh, that, that it is not good for us to lose our edge. And yet, we often find ourselves in such a state. Or is it just me? We often find, find ourselves you know, uh, stumbling over potholes and, 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 and tripping up because of the road bumps. And that's why we need to encourage weak runners to become stronger ones. I wrote, we need to encourage weary saints to persevere, to encourage dull disciples to resharpen their spiritual edge and their spiritual life and encourage suffering believers to endure all the way to the finishing line. Don't you appreciate what Jenny said last Sunday? We, we need to encourage suffering believers, endure. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's just a temporal suffering, the affliction that you are going through, temporal. That's waiting for us, an eternal weight of glory. Amen. The rewards are waiting for us. And this is articulated clearly many times in the New Testament. We need to exhort one another twice in this book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And that's the writer of Hebrews saying to all of us, the ministry of exhortation, consider, which means think about this every single day, how we can stir up one another to love and good works and not to neglect to meet together, which means what we've been doing the last six weeks or a few weeks is, come on guys, let's not forsake the gathering together of the saints. I'm stirring you up. Genesis is stirring you up. We are stirring all of us to good works. All the Facebook posts or the Instagram posts, we are stirring you up. You think we are so free. Uh? Every day think of like what to post. We're just using technology uh, and aligning our actions to biblical mandate. We are called to stir you up. So encourage the staff by liking what they share. Come on, somebody. Because the Bible says that neglecting to meet together is the habit of some. But encouraging one another, especially as you see the day drawing near, which means that as we race towards the last days and the end times, people will stop meeting together. People will start losing faith, becoming dull, drifting, neglecting. And that's why we need to stir up one another. We have a mutual responsibility to stir up. Amen. The second time is in Hebrews chapter 3. It's, it's our text. We are to exhort one another every day. Every day. And exhortation sounds to me like saying to each other, stand firm. Hold fast. Persevere through trial. See, our trials may, may be different. Your trials are different from my trials. But we all go through trials. We all go through challenges, whether it's internal, external, whether it's finance or relationship. We all go through trials. It might be different in terms of outward circumstance, but the fundamental issue remains the same. Will you cling to Christ and follow Him through the pressures of life? Or will you take the easier way out? Neglect Christ, throw away your confidence. See, the daily exhortation is supposed to be preventive. I, I will love, I, if, you, if you forget everything I say this morning, remember this. The exhortation is supposed to be preventive. It's supposed to prevent the hardening of the heart. Don't miss this. This passage that we read in Hebrews chapter 3 is not a cure. 
for spiritual hardening. It is rather a God-ordained measure to prevent the hardening of heart. It is not a post-castrophe recovery strategy, but rather a pre-castrophe security system that is designed to prevent the catastrophe from, ha- from happening. I've been speaking to friends, all right, friends from overseas who stumble upon sins, and, and I'm just surprised that, that no one knew. I'm surprised that, that they can't confide in another believer. I'm, I'm surprised that it's only after they have stumbled that they said, I need friends. I need more than just colleagues in ministry. I need friends. And I'm, and I'm saying to myself, come on, Daniel. Where were all the people that were, who are his exhorters, who are, who's, who, who's her encourager? What this means practically is that we need to be out in the front, way out in the front of the potential catastrophes and encourage, exhort, strengthen, support, counsel, correct. Let it not be said of any one of us here that we saw the warning signs and we did nothing about it. Hey, I've heard friends who were my classmates long time ago involved in in extramarital relationship and people were suspecting, but you know what? Let's be political correct. Let's just you know, be kind, friendly, be nice. Why confront? Hey, my friends, it is your duty, it is your ministry of mutual exhortation to ask. Why are you always on your phone? What numbers do you have? Can I have a look? I'm concerned. And don't be offended when people ask because they are just performing their ministry. Hello? We need that. Let, let not be said that we only pray, oh, I saw, but I pray, Lord. You know, Janice looks like she's very tired, I pray, Lord. I'm so appreciative of, of Jen. Like, you know, she, has, she will keep, uh, I'll tell her, uh, because I was supposed to speak last Sunday, right? And she remember and she'll text me, how are you and your wife doing? I said, I love it. No one is, is too spiritual to receive an encouragement. Amen? Especially, can I say this to the church? Especially, your leaders, your pastors. Because the devil knows if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. The devil knows that you know, a moral failure that's so public like you know, what we read with RZIM you know, would have an effect you know, on believers' faith. So where was the exhorters? You know, when, you know, is, is that person too powerful to be confronted? You saw the slowdown, you saw the tiny deviations, and yet you didn't say anything because you were afraid, because you thought it's not your place. And yet, friends, can I say this? It is your place. And listen to me say this, all right? Listen carefully. Because God has spoken in the Holy Scriptures through the writer of Hebrews. He said to the church, exhort one another every day. Listen to what I'm about to say next. Listen, all right? Lend me your ears. You don't need anyone's permission. To step in with a word of truth. Let me rephrase that. God has commanded that you do so, which means it is your place. In other words, you don't need my permission to exalt me. Are you with me? You don't need my permission to exalt me, to treasure, to treasure the, the gospel, to keep your eyes on Jesus, to be gentle in my dealings with people, to be a loving husband, to be a loving father, to be a faithful spouse. You don't need my permission. 
if in my conversation with you, I'm always talking stock market. And, I, and some of you know that. Stop me and say, Daniel, is this true fellowship? If all you do in a, in, in, in a Christian setting, you know, when you meet together in the name of the Lord is to talk about you know, the best wine and you know, the best alcohol, where's the funnest place, if there's such, if there's such a word, that, that's a problem. And someone in there should, should start living out and perform his ministry of mutual exaltation and say, hey, guys, 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 something is not right. This is supposed to be a life group. Come on. Aren't we supposed to, to exalt each other, to focus on Jesus, to talk about the Scriptures, and to learn of His ways? I've got the, mic- the microphone so I can see whatever I want. I'm, amen. But it is so important because I am susceptible. All right, especially when, you know, you are so convinced, like, you know, some of you know I'm on this, like, diet thing. I talk about diet a lot, right? And, and is there more to life than just diet? What, what about loving Jesus? What, a, what, a, what about knowing Him? Eternity. I mean, so as I bring us to a landing, I've got 15 minutes. Yay, I'm on time. All right, exhort one another, right? Yes. Exhort one another in four key areas. This is, this is, this is short. All right, I say all that to bring us to this to a landing, right? We need to exalt each other in four key areas, all in the book of Hebrews. Number one, we need to exalt each other to look to Jesus together. Look to Jesus together. One of the most basic problems is that our eyes wander. And one of your jobs is to get my eyes looking at Jesus again. And as I said, if I keep talking to you about politics and, and vegetables and coffee and the cafes or stock market, stop me! And say, you ought to give me a gentle nudge and say, Jesus is fairer. Jesus is, is brighter. Jesus is more beautiful. Come on! Jesus is healthier than a vegan diet. Jesus, feed on Christ. You will live longer and better. Look to Him. He endured the cross, the shame. And if people are always wallowing in self-pity and how terrible they are, remind them it's not about your performance. It's about what Christ has done. and It's about you putting your faith in Him and allowing Him to work in you and through you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Look to Jesus together. Number two, pursue holiness together. Hebrews chapter 12. Pursue holiness together, lest any man, uh, if you want to see God, right? Pursue holiness together, we're to exalt each other daily. You see, Hebrews chapter 5 describes maturity as being able to competently distinguish good from evil with the obvious implication that we, are, that we are choosing and following what is good. And so we have to exalt each other, choose what is good. Right? Hebrews 12, again, says pursue holiness and steer clear from immorality, from unholiness. Hebrews 13 warns us against immorality, adultery, and greed. Hebrews 10 directs us towards love and good works. See, friends, we have to pursue holiness together because it is important without which no man can see God. And I want to see Him. So tell each other, are, are you becoming holy as He is holy? And it's not in terms of like, you know, just a, a form of religiosity. No. It's like, are you becoming more like Him? Are you doing what He pleases? Are you loving what He loves, hating what He hates? That's what holiness is. 
the fear of God, as I've said a couple of weeks ago, I love the definition. What is the fear of God? I mean, we can have all the Bible, uh, the Bible versions of what fear of God is. To me, fear of God is taking God seriously. Amen. Easy, straightforward. To fear God is I take Him seriously in my marriage, take Him seriously in my career, take Him seriously in my friendship. Take him, I take God seriously in my life, my, my, my ultimate maturity. I take God seriously. What he says matters. How he feels matter. His opinion of me matters. That's the fear of God in its simplest form. Amen. The third thing is to pursue peace with other people. We need to exhort one another to pursue peaceful relations with other people. We ought to help each other, in the Bible says, uh, to walk in peace with everyone. See, it's often easy for us to have negative attitudes, critical comments, broken relationships, fester within the church family. And we attempt to manage these broken relationships in all the wrong ways. For example, avoidance, talking about it to everyone else except the person. Can we all, in our attempt to finish strong together, resolve in our heart to be a dam, right? To be a barrier against the flow of gossip, slander, unrighteous anger, and with gentleness and love, if someone else comes to you and start gossiping and say, hey, uh, I hear you, but what about if you talk to the person that you have an issue with directly? Work it out peaceably for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of His bride, the church. My last point. The balance stage, please. Thank you, Ben. And this is in line with what Jenny said. Endure suffering together. Endure suffering together. We have need to endure. The sufferings may be persecution, difficulties in marriage, parenting, frustration in singleness, financial pressures, challenges in the workplace, declines, setbacks in the health. We all go through sufferings. But can I say this? Because we are a church family, you should not go through suffering alone. You know, one of the most encouraging uh, things we can do with WhatsApp chat groups, all right, there are two that you know, I was a part of. All right? Both, I'm quite quiet. But both have encouraged me greatly. One was, of course, we announced last Sunday that Joseph Loy has passed on. But for three years, that chat group the encouragement, all right? Even as, uh, even as I read, people are stating just whatever that we know, right? But when you're going through a trial, a suffering, reminding each other of what the Bible says or what is possible, it's so encouraging. And one is uh, a men's group that we have. It's the, it's, it's the mutual encouragement and celebrating and cheering each other on. I said, that is, and different people are suffering in different ways. But the men banded together and they're just, wow. And I was having a chat with Pastor Andre this week and we spoke about Job's friends because you know, of what Jenny said. And oftentimes, Job's friends, I feel very chum. They, they always gna, you know, from all of us who preach. Ah, they, they were a problem. But I said to Andre, I'm, I'm sure Job was glad that he had got three friends. Or even though what they said wasn't constructive or helpful, but at least they kept him going and they kept him... Uh, because you know that in any therapy or the counsellors here, talk is the most powerful, right? 
And so what these three friends were doing with Job was talk therapy. <laughs> it was just talking and of course, whatever that they said wasn't really helpful, but kept him going. Help him endure his suffering until the Bible says that, you know, until my eyes, you know, my ears have, have heard you, but, but now my eyes have seen you. And that's what gave him perspective. But we need the body of Christ around us. Amen. See, the reality is that people are often overwhelmed by life. And one of our responsibilities is to help them hear God in the midst of their suffering, to encourage them to trust God's promises and to exhort them to keep going all the way. You know, they may not appreciate it. You know, there were times when I chatted with a few people and you know, I pushed. And they said, easier for you to say so. I said, yeah, I know, which is why I'm saying it. Yeah, I, that's why because I'm not in your position I'm, I'm not in your shoes and so I'm saying it to you because you need to leverage on my faith in, in this point because the day will come when I'll need to leverage on your faith yes so when it's easier for you to say something say it why you why don't say it say it hold on be strong persevere yeah easier said than done exactly so that's why I'm saying it I'm not doing it but I, come on church so as I close, we need one another. We need one another as a God-ordained security system that prevents catastrophic spiritual failure and promotes a love for the gospel, fellowship, holiness, care for one another, endurance through suffering. And friends, can I say this? In this church, it is our privilege to run the race together until someday we cross the finish line together. No one is too spiritual. After 30 years of walking with the Lord, I need you to help me finish my race in 45 years' time. I have decided to live till 90. So I need you. Your life group leaders need you. The pastor staff need you. I believe I'm saying this on their behalf. All right, in this church, all right, we believe in spiritual authority, but I also, we also believe that no matter how, how, how authorized you are, you are susceptible to those potholes. All right, and you have the ministry of mutual exhortation. Can we turn to the person next and say, you have a ministry? You have a ministry. No matter how young you are, how old you are, how new you, you are, you have a ministry. So as I close, is there a phone call you need to make? Is there an email or text you need to write? Is there a lunch meeting you need to schedule? Is there a visit that, that needs to take place? Is there a conversation you need, you need to have with a life group member, with a life group leader? Is there a relationship you need to build or rebuild? Or some of you, is there a small group you need to be a part of? Amen. Can we all stand, please? Thanks, thanks for hearing my, my, my holy rant. <laughs> Next week, I'll talk about something else which is also relevant. It's like a part two, right? And it's a little bit heavier. And I want to establish the need for divine correction. Next week, loving 
correction. See, it's easy for us to exhort, encourage, right? You know, but when we are corrected, how do we receive godly, loving correction, whether it's from our leaders, from one another? We need that. Alright, so let's finish strong together, church. Um, and let's just take some time and uh, if you can close your eyes and uh, just look to Jesus.